Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today in the presence of all of these witnesses to declare the union of this woman to this church. Amen. 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 Hold your Bibles real high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can be who it says I can be. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We glorify you for who you are. And we pray, God, that we'll fall on good ground. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let's hope I don't fall. They were saying no wedding is, is complete without the electric slide. I'm afraid I'll slide right off of the stage. So we just, we just keep that there. Praise the Lord. All right, if you would, I'm going to talk to you about the, from the topic of I do this morning. And usually at this stage when you see somebody in a wedding dress and they can't breathe because the stuff is so tight, that they're at the point of making some kind of commitment. They are at the point of crossing over, beginning an entirely new life and leaving something behind. They are at a major defining moment in their life. You know, you, you wouldn't expect them to, to get to this stage and then run away like Julia Roberts. You'd expect them to stay the course, go through the process. And, you know, married couples, we've been married going on 21 years, and the one of the, the most common question we get asked is, where'd y'all meet? How'd y'all meet? Everybody wants to know the backstory. How did you get there and what made you stay together so long, right? Well, today's going to be like one of those movies. You ever see those movies and it starts and it says present day? And then you kind of go back to all the action before? That's what I'm going to do with you today. I'm going to take you through a journey of the greatest love story ever. The love story between God and his church. It's going to be a little historical, sometimes intellectual, a whole lot of spiritual, but we're going to have a good time. You with me? Amen. So let's, let's, let's just go circle the beginning of the creation of man. So the book of Genesis tells us about the creation and how God had formed man out of the dust of the earth. And he formed man, and then he was talking with man, and he had communion with man. And the Bible even calls it in the cool of the day. I mean, they had this like a special time together. But then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he put man into a deep sleep, removed a rib, and formed the woman from the man. Right there in that very moment was the beginning, the genesis of a family, the genesis of corporate worship, the genesis of a congregation. It no longer was satisfying to God to just have a personal relationship. He also wanted to have a group relationship. How do I know this? Because Genesis chapter 3 verse 18 says, and they heard the voice of the Lord. They meaning more than one person. So that means those two people, the beginning family, had a corporate experience with God. Now, disobedience, distraction, 
and discouragement, disobedience, distraction, and discouragement interrupted the relationship that they had and they were driven out of the garden. The worship experience was interrupted. Several generations gone and God is still pursuing this idea. He's still saying, I want a people, not just a person. I want a people to worship me. So he's so in awe and in, in chase of this idea that uh, years and years and years and years down, generations later, Moses comes on the scene. Who is Moses? So Moses is this guy who gets born, and he, to give this long story short, he grows up and God says to him, hey, you are going to deliver my chosen people, Israel, from the Egyptians. And Moses is like, no, nah, I'm not really feeling that right now. You know, can I have a stutter? Not too clear at communicating. You may want somebody else. God says, no, you need to do it. So he leads them through the wilderness. The Egyptians get 10 different plagues, all this drama and excitement. I mean, this is like Mission Impossible, y'all. And so it goes through, they go through the, all the, uh, the water and all this cool stuff. So when they get out, about a year later, about 1480 uh, B.C., God gives Moses this commandment, and this is what he says. Exodus 25, verse 8, and it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. The word sanctuary there means like tent. It means tabernacle. It's a place, a place where they could encounter God, where the presence of God was guaranteed to be. 100% of the time, if you went up to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the temple, God was there. His presence was there because he was willing to meet with a group of people. Matthew says it like this, where two or three are gathered, I'm there in their midst. So we see that God is pursuing this corporate relationship. And it's so important to God about this, this temple, this place of meeting, that in creation, he only took, in the book of Genesis, a little over one chapter to describe creating the world. But in the book of Exodus, he took six chapters in describing the construction of the temple. Six chapters, verses one. You think he's a little concerned with the temple, with the church. Here we go. Fast forward. David says, Psalm 69, verse 9, David who captured God's heart. We learned that. In Acts, the Bible says that, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. But here's another thing that we don't really know about David. David was not only after God's heart, he was after God's place. Not just his presence, but he wanted a place and he had a heart for that. And it says here in Psalm 69 verse 9, The zeal for your house consumes me. Imagine consummation is like, is like a fire burning something up. The zeal, my passion for your house, it consumes me. In 1 Chronicles 17, verse 1, we see that David wants to build this house for God. And so he goes to Nathan the prophet and he says, Hey, is it right that I live in a palace of cedar and the Ark of the Covenant is under a tent? Is it right? Let me tell you, Haggai puts it this way. In the book of Haggai, it says, Is it right that the temple is not built? Or constructed while you live in your paneled houses. See, I have given you much. 
but it yields nothing. Because you have holes in your pocket because my house lies in ruin while you build your own house. That's what the book of Haggai says. Here's the same heart that David has. He's going, I am living well. But the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant is in the tent. No, we need a place. I want to build you a house, God. And God says, you know what? I understand your heart, David. I see your passion for the house of God. But because you have blood on your hands, Solomon is going to have to do it. But I tell you what. Your house, I'll build your house, David. And for the rest of time and time and time, there will not be a person from your line that will go unnoticed. I'll make your name great. I'll make you famous. And I will cause your generation to go on and on and on. Because you wanted to build my house, I guarantee I'll hook your house up. Hmm. Fast forward. Psalm 122 verse 1 says this. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us go to church. Psalm 111 says this, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Not just in my bathroom singing off key. No, in the congregation. Not just at my desk in silent whispers. Oh, not just tweeting. No, in the congregation, in a group, among a people, a called out, a chosen, a righteous people, among us. This was the passion in the heart that David had. And Solomon builds a temple. Solomon is David's son. But the Babylonians went ahead and destroyed that. King Herod came on hundreds of years later and rebuilt the temple. And around 70 AD after the Christ had died, the Romans came and destroyed the temple. But there was a wall that remains even in Jerusalem today. It's called the Wailing Wall. And that is a part of the wall that protected the temple. It's the most holy site in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's rep represented the temple. This is where the presence of the Lord lived. This is where we met God face to face. This is holy. It is sacred. It is, a, it is magnificent. And so they treasure and value that space. In the Old Testament, the, ter the terms are like temple, you know, tent of meeting, tabernacle. But, you know, we use the term church. We use the term church. God was so serious about this that wherever in any community, if there are 10 male Jews beyond the age of bat mitzvah, which is like, or bar mitzvah, which is like 13, they are responsible for building the tabernacle, for building a synagogue. If there are 10 male Jews and the congregation, everybody else is financially responsible. And there is not a person that does not participate because this is not how God did operated. He did not say, hey, when you guys come, Half of you can come and the rest of you just kind of chill out. No, everybody was expected to be at the tent of meeting. When God said, I am going to have a talk with you, it was not an option. Were you showing up? Everybody was showing up. When it was time to build those six chapters, you can look at them in Exodus. Everybody participated. If you were a shoemaker, a lace maker, a gold maker, if you had money, if you had camels, if you, no matter what you had, you participated. Here's the thing. God still cherishes corporate worship from the beginning of man time till now. But, but we are not under the rules of rituals anymore. 
We don't have to do sacrificing of goats and, 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 and the priests walking with a little bell and things like that. But we are still under the obligation of sacred relationship. We're not under the obligation of a ritual, but we are under the obligation or command of sacred relationships. So let's talk about relationships for a second. Let me talk about relationships. So uh, my best, one of my best friends from high school is here this morning. Her name is Michelle. She can raise, you just wave your hand. So Michelle has known me from I'm 11. So she will tell you that I tell the truth and I lieth not. I mean, I used to date all the time. Okay. So I was not always saved. I didn't come out saved born again. And so I would have all these different relationships in my life. Let's just start with the crushes. Okay, so you have a crush. You know what a crush is. If you don't know what a crush is, to call AK, this is a crush, right? A crush is puppy love. A crush is you have the hots. You see somebody and your little hands start to palpitate and your heart start beating fast. They may not even know you have a crush on them. They may not even be aware but you have a crush. It, it was like me and Denzel Washington. He's not aware. I'm very aware of him though. But he's not aware of me. One day he will be. But you know, when I tell you, that Denzel, you know, I mean, he just needs to walk and then my heart just melts like butter on hot bread. <laughs> With his big teeth and everything. And you know, I've been crushing on Denzel. But then, I don't know if you watch boxing, but I watched the last Mayweather fight. And I do not know where Denzel thought he was going. But he forgot that he's always supposed to look like he looks like in the movies. That man looks nothing like the Denzel that I have a crush on. So my crush stopped. I said, oh, just as quick as it came, it just left like that. It was over. No investment. I didn't lose anything. You know, it's kind of like when you were driving down and you saw the billboard and you saw those cute people and you go, oh, look at them. They look so young. Well, I think I could, can go to that church. Little young spiffer looking rapper. You didn't even know the man here was like 50 years old, right? You know, they say when you get married long, you begin to look like your spouse. The key to pastor's young looking stuff is because he's starting to look more like me. We've been trying to discover it all this time. And I go, that's it? It's aging reverse because I'm younger than him. God, I'm the better looking spouse. I, you know, praise God. But anyway, so when you're crushing, when you're crushing on your church, you see the billboard, you see all this stuff, you get excited. They may not know that you're logging in and you're looking on the podcast and you're looking at the thing and you're like, ooh, they have a children's ministry. Maybe I like that. Ooh, looks like they have, you know, some cell groups. Ooh, I may like that. Oh, my goodness. Well, she, we don't know what she is. Is she Hispanic? Is she, what is she? Oh, maybe I like that. So you're kind of crushing. You get the hearts. You get the hearts. But then you decide, you know what, I'm kind of... Go over, getting over the hearts. I'm going to date. I'm going to date. I'm going to date. And so in my dating, it's all excitement. It's like, you're full now because, you know, this is my boo now. You know, I got, me a, I got me a person I can affiliate myself with because I don't want to be alone. So I, I live for the moment. I can change my Facebook status to in a relationship. That I know if one person is going to put a like, it's going to be that person. So we get into this dating relationship. But see, dating still has options. So as long as you don't frustrate the life out of me, we're cool. As long as you're making me happy, we're awesome. See, that was me and my relationships. I would date somebody for two weeks and then got them a nerve. 
So it was over. Then maybe I would extend it to six weeks. And be like, oh, well, oh my God, you just, what, where are you going in life? That was over. I mean, so I was like a serial dater. Like, let me see, I like that with you. Oh, I like your hair, but then I like your toes. Then I like your, oh yeah. Always options, options, options. Nothing real, but, but you know, we're together. They know Sarah and that person is going around. They're going steady. Well, you know, Jane and that church, they're going steady. But we are, but, uh, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't have no firm commitment. Because there's another option. Ooh, ooh, don't you see that church down the street? They're doing a hallelujah night. Oh, we need to do that. Oh, let me go over there. Oh, bye. Oh, 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 what, what, what? Ooh, I see. That's my favorite Christian artist. They brought that Christian artist in. I, that must be the church for me. Ooh, 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 next week, next week. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. What, what? They, do, they have a new membership class that's online. I don't even have to show up. What are you saying? What? Uh, girl, you are like a serial dater when it comes to church. Skipping and dipping and, you know, now you answer the phone like, what? Just because the usher didn't say hi to you last week. What you want? Why are you calling? Well, I, didn't you know I terminated my, my relationship with you? We didn't know. We up here still trying to send you flowers. Send it back. The last time that you all sent me flowers, it was one day late. I'm just saying. But then you have the engagement, the engagement stage. You get a little ring on, you know. Like they say, you know, you put a ring on. <laughs> you put a little ring on and, and uh, now everybody kind of goes, ooh, he really love you. This is the I will stage of life. You know, I do anything for you. Anything for you. No, you're not here. You're through and through. You remember that song? No. Y'all don't? It's okay. Y'all too. Oh, ha! I'm just kidding. Anyway, so you have this ring and... Um, you have the ring on, and now you start making plans. This is the I will. This is the promise side. I will doesn't mean I do. I will just means I plan to. Pastor, I, I, I plan to be at church more when my job slow down. Uh, I, I, I plan to tithe when, when I get an increase. I, I plan to, to serve whenever, you know, my business takes off. I plan to. It's all these promises. But there, there's no test that has happened yet to let us know that that promise is real. You see, I can't add you to my insurance yet because I don't have full assurance that you're with me for the long haul. So you don't get all the benefits. I know you want to shack and act like you're getting benefits. I understand. You want to live together and do everything together and act like you're married and still want benefits. They're not going to put you on their insurance if you just, you just not married. So you, you're in a relationship, and you're in this I will situation. I plan to. I, it's my promise. It's my, it's my heart, Lord. It's my heart. It's my heart. But you don't understand that that relationship right there is still an option. You still have an out. You still don't have to make the full commitment. But then there's a stage of the vow. The vow. This is the I do stage. The I do stage. Everybody now knows that this is a person you have chosen to live your entire life with. This is a person that you're saying in sickness and in health, in good and in bad, till death do us part. I, this I am saying I do. I'm making that commitment 
to go the extra mile, jump the broom, break the glass, skip over the lane, whatever you want to call it. But I am doing this. I'm sending out invitations. I'm even inviting you to come see my commitment. I'm inviting you to the ceremony so others know this here, he my, he, he my person. Start tattooing his name all up in your skin and all kind of stuff. I mean, this is the I do something. I mean, that's like some serious stuff. You go beyond commitment in this stage and you get into covenant. See, covenant and commitment is two different things. Covenant is a God term. Covenant is a, is a, is a term that regardless of what you do or don't do, I have a covenant with God and I will fulfill that. That's what covenant is. And so you make a choice that this church is your home. You're on the covenant side of things. You're, you're not in the engagement side anymore. So, so imagine that, that I would get married to Pastor Evan on December 20th, 1994. And then I say to him, hey, I'm going to see you on Mother's Day, though. Deuces highlighting. <laughs> you know, how would that be? That, hey, I'm going to see you. Oh, you see that? Can you hear me better? Can you hear me now? I always want to be a singer. You can tell. So I'm going to get married to pastor and then tell him, I'll see you in five months. But I tell you what I'd like you to do. All the benefits that come with that, though, keep giving me those benefits, though. Keep blessing me. Keep making sure the kids are fed. Keep making sure the lights stay on. Keep, do all that, though. But I'll see you in, I'll see you in Mother's Day. And after that, I'm going to see you. Uh, maybe I'll spot you on Thanksgiving. Maybe, maybe. I, I, I'll come back. This is not, no, it's not the military family. When you're married, you're married. When you decide and you're covenant and you're in covenant with your church, you go to church. You don't go to church every five weeks. You don't go to church once out of the month. You don't go to church when you just serve on third Sunday. You don't just show up to your air of ministry and don't come into the house of God and into the assembly of God. You don't skip church. You don't skip town. That's not how it works. You don't go, okay, let me try that church on first week, your church on second week, that church on third week. That is not the will of God. You may not like it, but I got Bible to back me up. Holla, come on. <laughs> Too many of us court our church when we should be in covenant with our church. So look at your neighbor and say, stop crushing. The local church is so important to God that the assembling of the congregation is required. Say required. Required weekly, every week. Got scripture for you. Oh, you want to fight me? You want to fight me? I'm the wedding dress. I feel like a superhero. I mean, we can go for it. Leviticus 23.3 uh, 23, says this. Six days you will work, but on the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. Solemn rest. A holy convocation. Oh, a holy convocation. Hallelujah. Y'all know about convocation, right? You shall do no work on it. All hustling. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. The Bible says, there's another version that says it's a holy assembly. It's a sacred assembly set aside to worship. Check this out. Jesus also followed this custom in Luke 4, 16. It says, as it was his custom to go to the temple and he taught the word. Acts 20, verse 7 says this. On the first day of the week, the disciples came together and Paul, he was preaching so long. 
that a man fell down asleep and fell through the roof. Sound like church, don't it? Got a little worship, got a little long preaching. Yeah, there you go. See right there. First day of the week. Now, we meet on the first day of the week because it was the day that the, Jesus was discovered that he was resurrected. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and Jesus was not there. That's why we do the first of the week. So in the Old Testament, or according to the Jews, you have the Sabbath begins on Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. We have our Sabbath on Sunday. Our holy convocation is on Sunday. So you are supposed to be here every day, I mean every week. I would like to say every day, but it's not. I have a question for you. So when we come to worship God, what does the word worship mean? It actually means to ascribe value or worth to somebody. So I have a question for you and for me. If God was to base his value to me, if God was to base his value to me based on my church attendance, how much would he think he's worth? If God was to base his value to me based on my church attendance, how much do you think he would think he's worth? God hasn't changed his mind about group meetings, about us coming together. The local church is all throughout the Bible. In Revelations alone, there's seven different churches mentioned. There's a church at Philippi, the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth. There is churches all over. They had smaller meeting places because you know what? When we build a sanctuary, when a congregation comes together, it says to the city, there is an answer. There is an allegiance to a living God. It says there's a group of people that worship an entity that can change this community, change this city, change this world. That's why we come together. We come together to worship God. And you know what? It's an opportunity when we have worship. When we have worship and the sacred assembly in Acts 2 verse 1, it says this. There are only certain manifestations that can be seen in a group. When the disciples came together, the tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit came up. It only came in a group. There's only some benefits that will manifest in a group setting. How do I know? Because it says where two or three are gathered, he's there in your midst. Not when you gather by yourself. You want to see some miracles happen? Make sure you're at the assembly. The next thing is you get an opportunity to be taught in the local church. We're responsible for teaching you the word of God. Acts 2 verse 42 to 7 says this. It was in the temple that teaching was going on. The, 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 the apostles were teaching in the temple. So you get taught the word of God, the way of God, the principles of God. It was in the temple that Samuel heard God's voice for the first time. It was in the temple that Samuel figured out and understood his call and his purpose in God. Some of you are wondering, what God, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? Be in the church. Be in the temple. God will speak to you eventually. If you don't hear him in your personal time, he's going to say something in your corporate time. The next thing is this, fellowship. The local church serves for fellowship. God likes a fellowship with us. And he wants us to fellowship with one another. Hebrews 10.25 says this. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some do. So, so God already knew that some people was going to try and skip church. So he just said, look here. Let me just put it down in writing. Do not stop assembling like other people. But get together and exhort one another even more as you see the day approaching. What's the day? The day of judgment. Do you know? Do you see all the things that are going on? The sign of the times? The different Supreme Court judgments that are being made. You see that the Planned Parenthood was over there selling aborted babies' organs. 
This is a sign of the times. We're in the last days. Even more so. Assemble. Don't not assemble yourselves together. Healing. Healing is, in the, is in, the, in the house of God. Matthew 2 verse 14 says that the blind and the lame got healed in the temple. We've seen that in Water Truth Family Church. We've heard of miracles happening here. We've seen physical healing here. We've seen heart change healing. We've seen emotional healing here. You come to the house of God so you can be healed. You come to the house of God for prayer. That's why we make sure that every week we have prayer, that we can agree with you, that we can trust God's word with you, that we can hold on to faith. It says in Matthew uh, 21, 13, that Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. It was in the temple, in the church, that Hannah, when she was believing for a baby, she went and prayed to God in church, and it was in church she got her answer. It was in church she got her miracle. Provide spiritual services such as baptisms and dedications and all that cool stuff. You need your church. You don't want to just need your church when you have a burial. You don't want to just need your church when you have a birth and you want to baptize. You don't want to just need your church when you have a wedding. You don't want to be a three-occasion Christian. We got to be just a little deeper in there. Just, just like weekly. God is requiring us. I'm going to read Psalm 84 for you. And then we're going to worship. Psalm 84. If you would turn to Psalm 84 for me. I know I gave you a lot of scriptures, but I want to read this one because it's so, 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 so important. Psalm 84. I'm wearing this dress today to show you. I am my beloved, and he is mine. I belong to somebody. It's very obvious. I'm at some stage of a vow in my life. You wouldn't expect me to run down the street in this, but you would expect to see me in a church with a pastor making a vow. And I'm saying to you, and I'm saying to me, God requires us to come to his house. So that he who loves us can meet us face to face. But not just any house. The Bible says that he has set the members in place. If you're set here at Word of Truth Family Church, this is your place. This is your house. This is your temple. This is your synagogue. This is your tent of meeting. This is your congregation. We are required to be here to meet God. The Lord of all creation has things he wants to whisper in our ear. Drop in our hearts. He wants to paint a future that's bright. But if we're not here, meeting with him, it's a sacred thing. It's a sacred thing. So I show up for our meetings. He makes a weekly appointment with me. And I don't have an excuse. I show up. I'm here, God. You can count on me. No, I won't be on the lake today. I could do that on Saturday. Sunday's not my day for that. I'll do it after I meet with you. But I'm not going to do it instead of meeting with you. No, no. no I, I know the game is starting, Lord. But, but I tell you what. 
because you're the Lord of all creation. I'll just be a little late to the game. My, my seat's going to be held. When do sports come more important than God? If you can delay it. I'm not talking about you have to go to town with, with your family for a tournament or something like that. I'm talking about you got seats that you're going to see every single, you're going to see every single game. You're telling me that you, you but it's the same God that you're going to come and kneel down and say, God bless me so I can buy those tickets. It's the same God we're going to hunger after God, please heal my wife. It's the same God we're going to say, I need that job though, Lord. But, but after, after I go out, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else on, the, on that day. But Lord, please bless me still. That's deep. That's not in the plan of God for us. I gave you a, an I do sign. So it's time for us to jump the broom. We are the local church. If you would just let's stand. It's time for you and I to stop courting others. Whether that's our jobs or business or another church. And I'm not speaking against the church. I am saying you're called to your church. Maintain your church. Do what God is asking you to do in your church. Because that's what his heart is. He said, I am coming every week to meet with you and when we come together I will display a side of me you cannot get anywhere else and as we worship you who are worthy to family church members you who have made a decision and taken that covenant that I'm not just in a relationship of convenience with my church I'm not just in it for what my church can give to me I'm in it because God's mean with me if that's you then I want you to raise your flag and I want you to say I do God I do let's worship together Oh 
Hallelujah. I believe God wants a commitment from everybody today. Sometimes when we do an altar call, it's only for people who need a relationship with God. But, but today, I believe God wants a commitment from everybody in one way or another. Here's why. The first altar call that I'm going to do, and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. But I believe God is wanting a commitment as a member of...